Portland is a baseball town. Our secretary didn't have anybody on the phone. <laughs> there was nobody on the phone. They were just egging me along. So they brought a little short, chubby guy in with the name Peters and put him <laughs> in my place and sent me to double A ball. Two fans, one mission to bring Major League Baseball to Oregon, fueled by Guardian Games and Athletic Field Design. This is the Diamonds and Roses podcast. Without further ado, your hosts, Ben and Dave. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Diamonds and Roses podcast. As always, I am your host, Ben, and you are now proudly listening to the Big League Chew sponsored Diamonds and Roses podcast. When you need bubblegum, jump for the Hall of Fame bubblegum, Big League Chew. So this week and next week, we've got some great episodes for you, and we have actually jumped out of the Quimby store and the new pop-up store for this particular group and jumped into the warehouse. Now, I am truly, 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 truly in the mecca of the baseball world, better known as baseballism, and this week we have... Travis Chalk, the CEO and co-founder of Baseballism, joining us, and he will be not only joining us this week, but also next week. And uh, without further ado, Travis, thank you for uh, taking some time out of your very busy schedule very to, busy. to uh, come on and talk with me. Oh, thanks for having us, Ben. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I'm really glad to be here, um, and I really want to jump right in into it. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, I read you, like myself, are not a native Oregonian. Yeah. Yep. Uh, can you tell us where you're from? So I am uh, born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii, mm-hmm. on a small town in Honolulu called Makiki. So I'm right next to the University of Manoa. So I'm kind of a, I'm from Hawaii, but I'm not like a, a beach guy all the time. I'm, I'm more of a city boy because we're mm-hmm. right in the heart of the city. And so, yeah, I grew up in Honolulu, Hawaii, um, went to high school there and everything, and then came to Oregon uh, for college. After awesome. I was 18. Tell us a little bit about what baseball life is like on the islands. and You know, are you playing year-round as weather accommodates the ability to do so? I would say Hawaii's great. Obviously, Hawaii's got great weather, so you can play baseball there all the time if you want to. But uh, back when I was younger, uh, there wasn't the, the travel ball and, you know, the hitting facilities. Because hitting facilities are expensive to run because you need a lot of space. And mm-hmm. that space is not really available in Hawaii. So... Um, I didn't really play baseball year-round. Um, I played when it was baseball season. Um, then it was soccer season for me. Then it was volleyball season. And I kind of cycled through those three sports, and they overlapped sometimes. So sometimes I had a baseball game and then a soccer game and then and then sometimes a volleyball game at night. So I played three sports, um, and it wasn't always baseball just because of not having the, the ability to play year-round mm-hmm. but also playing other sports. How many months out of the year were you playing ball? I, I mean, it was tough because I was younger. I don't really remember, but I would just say the majority of the summer. So I'd mm-hmm. say three or four months a year. Okay. Um, what got you into playing baseball, and at what age did you start? Yeah, I started at around five years old. Um, didn't I'm not really from a baseball family. Um, my dad didn't play baseball. My mom didn't play softball or baseball. Um, it just kind of came down to I was a really hyper kid, and my mom needed to give me an outlet to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And it started with soccer, and then it was baseball season. She said, and I made friends. At, I made friends on my soccer team that played baseball, and she's like, "Well, let's sign up for baseball." And so, 
I remember when I was a kid, I, I wasn't a kid that was like looking forward to doing something new all the time. And she mm-hmm. just drugged me to baseball practice and I got there crying, but I left not wanting to leave. So it was, it was, it was all on my mom and my, my dad for just dragging me to baseball and then making me do things that I didn't want to do. Yeah. And my, my five-year-olds, well, my uh, seven-year-olds the same yeah, way. Yeah. Um, I read that when you played uh, for the, is it Moana Pirates? It's uh, Manoa. Manoa. When you played for the Manoa Pirates, Coach Stan was important to you. Uh, What was his leadership style? Yeah, so having Coach Stan, sorry, let me turn this off real quick. But having Coach Stan, he was was a great coach because he was all about having fun. And uh, when I was on the Manoa Pirates, we were probably one of the bottom two teams in the league out of of 15 teams. Mm -hmm. But our potlucks after the game were the most fun. And people would want to come and, and have fun with us after the games. And so it really wasn't about winning or losing. It was just about making sure the kids on his team were having a lot of fun every practice. And that's what I remember the most. I mean, he'd, he'd give nicknames to all of us. And he called me Lala because I was, I was just a spaced cadet. Like, I'd be, I'd be the kid, like, playing whatever position and just thinking about something else. You could yell at me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be hearing you. I'd be watching the butterfly uh, flying, flying next to my head. But um, it was just all about fun, and I always look forward to practice because of it. Mm-hmm. I never was down. Uh, what is one thing he taught you that you see yourself living by and passing on to others? I would say, for me, it was just the care he gave every kid. He knew every kid's family. Um, all the parents loved him. Mm-hmm. And I think you're not going to learn from anyone that you think doesn't care about you. And so... For him, it was like, I care about you as a person first, and then from there, I'm going to build you as a baseball player. So mm-hmm. when I'm teaching, or I used to be a teacher, so when I was teaching, it's like, it's not about, they don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. And that's what that's what Coach Stan taught me. Mm-hmm. Would you credit that the fact that of what he taught you and you know him keeping on you playing Little League got you to continue staying and playing baseball? Absolutely. I mean... He got me loving the game early on, and I remember, I remember the moment I fell in love with baseball. Is when I was on the Pirates. I must have been like six or seven years old, and I got the chicken pox. And um, obviously, you can't you can't play with other kids when you have chicken pox, mm-hmm. really contagious. And so my mom drove me to the game. She said, "Travis, you can watch the game, but you can't play." And so I stood in the car, or I sat in the car, watching my teammates play, and I just started crying because I just wanted to be out there so bad. And I just wanted to be there with my teammates. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to win a game for Coach Stan. And so uh, that's what really, like, the love for the game that he gave to me, like, it, it was just, you know, it was, uh, it was just, it's the word I'm looking for, but it, it was contagious. It was mm-hmm. contagious. And, uh, yeah, he instilled that in me early on and just kept me wanting to play all the time. What, what position were you playing at that time? Or were you playing multiple? Um, I was a shortstop. I was a shortstop my whole youth career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where did you go to high school? So I went to, I was lucky, well, I was lucky enough to go to a private school called Punahou. Mm-hmm. Um, our claim to fame is that's where uh, Obama went to school. And so we are a very well-known high school throughout the country. And um, I credit that to, you know, my mom giving me the opportunity to go there. I mean, I'm not from a very wealthy family. I'm from a middle-class family. Mm-hmm. But um, she gave up everything she had. My dad sacrificed everything he had to send me that, me and myself and my sister to that school. And really, like, everything I'm doing right now is, is to pay them back. Were there a lot of students trying out for the baseball team? Oh, it is. Punahou High School is one of the most competitive schools athletically and academically, like, in the country. I mean... 
after I went to college, after going to Punahou, it was it was easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was super competitive. We had for varsity, we maybe had like 120 kids try out, and you only can keep 15. So it was every it was a dogfight mm-hmm. every year. Every year it was tough. Well, what was your, who was your head coach when you're playing baseball? So in high school, um, it was tough because I had four my freshman through senior year we had four different head coaches it was a transition oh, wow. we had a we had a transition period so all the equity that i had built up with my freshman coach was lost in the sophomore coach and then for, and i didn't play my junior and senior years and so um, yeah, that was tough. That was tough too. Yeah. Well, let's jump right on into that because you you had broken your wrist while sliding into second base during your freshman year, um, and it sounds like that was at the beginning of the year that that happened. Yeah. So it was in a preseason game. I was playing shortstop, got on base on a single, stole second, and uh, it was a high throw by the catcher. The shortstop went up to catch the ball, and he landed on my wrist, and oh. uh, that basically put me out of baseball for my entire high school career because it was a preseason game when I was a freshman. Set out my entire freshman year. And uh, like I said, in Hawaii, there wasn't really club ball or or I didn't take any private lessons when I was younger. So I basically came into tryouts my sophomore year. Wasn't the same player. Made the team, but was benched my entire sophomore year. And then I got cut when I was a junior. And so that that was the toughest moment of my life. I mean, like, I've had grandparents pass away, and that, that stands out to me more than anything mm-hmm. because it, it wasn't expected, and it, it was just like baseball's my life. Yeah. And so it, it crippled me for a long time. Did it take you back to that, like, that moment when you were younger and you're having to sit in the car and can't play with you know, having chicken pox and all you wanted to do was get out there and play? It did, man, but because, uh, I mean, for me, like, baseball was just more than a game. You know, it was my whole social life. You know, mm-hmm. All my friends were, were baseball players. It was my identity. You know, I wore a baseball cap to school. You know, I still wore my Pirates shirt to school because I was proud of who I was and, and being good at baseball. But when mm-hmm. I lost that, man, I just it was it was a big deal for me. But it, it taught me a lot of lessons in the end because when I was younger I was I was a really talented player. Like I was get out of bed and I was in top two on the team. But um as I got older and you, you get to your sophomore, junior years of, of high school, everyone starts catching up to you if they're working yeah. hard. And um getting cut was Probably the worst thing that ever happened to me was probably the best thing that happened had to me happened to me too because it, it really taught me a lot about what I needed to be and what I needed to focus on. Do you ever feel like you ever you recovered fully from your wrist injury? You know, I don't think so. I, I really don't. I mean, like, um, I, taking a year and a half off or two years off from baseball, it really just changed who I was as a player, and I really never got back what I used to be and what was so easy to me. It was second nature mm-hmm. to me when I was younger. And when I took those two years off, I came back and I was just like, what, what am I, what is this body I'm in right now? Like how come the things that were easy to me, um, are hard now? Um, I feel like I got a lot of it back in college, uh, but it was never, never as easy as it was when I was seventh and eighth grade before I broke my wrist. Mm-hmm. So what, what were you doing besides, you know, you recovering from your wrist injury, were you going back and playing any of the other sports, like the soccer and so on? Yeah, I played soccer, played volleyball. So mm-hmm. that, those are my outlets too, but I just, I didn't have the love for those two sports like I did, like I did in baseball. Mm-hmm. So you were not being recruited to play baseball because of circumstances out of your control. Uh, what, what made you choose like University of Oregon as you started looking at universities to go to? Yeah, so um, I really wasn't a, a motivated high school 
student. I was I was a 2.4 GPA student. I, I just got by. Uh, my work, my lack of work ethic that I had from sports also translated to the classroom. I just wasn't a, I wasn't into school, um, but I was smart. So I, I got a perfect score on my math SATs, and um, that helped me open up my college options. Uh, my cousin went to University of Oregon, mm-hmm. and. Um, I couldn't get into University of Hawaii where I wanted to go because I wanted to stay home. So I didn't even apply for that because my GPA was too low. Um, so I applied for University for Oregon and a, f- a few other, few other small schools in, in California. And Oregon was just my best option. And my cousin had went to Oregon, and he had a good he had a good time there. So he, he was like, try to go there. And so I was, I'll take your word for it. Didn't even visit. First time on campus was was my first time, my first day of class. <laughs> so oh, really, I mean, yeah, and that was it. <laughs> what was your major in college? Um, I switched around. I bounced around. I went from business, and then I went to journalism. And then uh, because I was playing baseball, I was focusing more on that, on the club team, I switched to something that was easy, which was education. And uh, what I like about education is there's no right or wrong answer. You kind of can just kind of wing it a little bit as long as you're coming from the right mindset. Mm-hmm. So um, I was an education major, and it allowed me to play baseball and, and do well in school at the same time at University of Oregon. So you play club ball like you just talked about for the University of Oregon. Let's talk more about that. Like, yeah, where were the, were there tryouts for the team? Like, how did how did you get on the team? Yeah, there were tryouts. Um, I remember there being about fifty or sixty kids out there uh, for tryouts. Um, like I said, I was still talented, so I was able to make that team. And um, yeah, I mean that was that was a, making the club baseball team changed my life. Um, I probably wouldn't have stayed in Oregon if I didn't make the club baseball team. Mm-hmm. Um, the weather there was brutal for me, especially coming from Hawaii. So I. That club, that club baseball team, like, was it was a defining moment moment in my life making that team. Aside from breaking my wrist and not making the baseball team mm-hmm. at Punahou. Let's jump back to break your your wrist breaking because I forgot to ask. This is yeah. was it your throwing hand or was it your catching hand that you you broke your wrist on? It was my catching hand. Okay. So I had a real hard time swinging the bat because your left hand's I'm right handed, so mm-hmm. my left hand's my glove hand. Yeah. And when you're swinging, man, it, it just it. More than anything, it changed a lot of my uh, my hitting mechanics. Mm-hmm. What position did you play uh, for club ball? I played uh, third base. I played third base. I noticed uh, looking at some of your history, because I bring up the wrist-breaking thing, because you were the 2004 NCBA third-team All-American, uh, 2006 NCBA second-team All-American. And then I think the, the greatest of all... Um, you know, accolades that you got was you were on the you're the 2001 2010 NCBA All Decade Team at third base. I read that you were one of 14 players selected yep. out of a pool of 15,000. Yep, yep. That's all. That's a lot of people. It is. I mean, when I went to college, I uh, I knew the player that I, I was uh, before I broke my wrist, and mm-hmm. when I made that club team, it gave me another a second chance, and uh, I. Basically, one day, I was just like, I know this is not who I am. Like, I am so much better. Like, I'm used to being the best player, second best player on the team, no matter what team I'm on. Mm-hmm. And um, and I looked at the other, the other players, I'm like, I'm better than these guys, but how come it's not, how come I don't look like I'm better than these players? I know I'm better than these players. And so what I did was I just, I wrote down all the mechanics that my my, player, my coaches had taught me over the years, and I wrote them down on a piece of paper. I was like, what is wrong with me? And I just started practicing. I, I, I didn't know anybody in Oregon. I was by myself. Mm-hmm. I'd go out and throw a ball against the wall. Um, I'd go find a couple of my other buddies that played on the club team. I played catch with them. And I basically retaught myself how to play baseball, like from the very beginning, from the base. And uh, eventually, 
it, it really started paying off. And another thing, I, I had no time. I had, like I said, I had no friends, so I went to the weight room a lot in Oregon. Mm-hmm. So when I when I went to the University of Oregon, I was 5'9", 145, 150. When I graduated, I was 5'11", 190 pounds. Oh, wow. So I had gained 45 pounds of muscle. I was two inches taller. I was kind of a late bloomer, too, yeah. when it comes to growth spurts and, and just maturing. So um, the work ethic... Um, just the intrinsic motivation I had because I had gotten cut and it was like, I'm never going to let that happen to me again. And I wanted to prove to me, I just wanted to prove myself how good I was when mm-hmm. I was younger back to, and, and translate it to when I was older. So what would you tell people that, that fall upon circumstances like yours and, you know, could have an opportunity to get back into playing ball? What would, what would be the biggest thing that you tell them about, staying focused and getting back into the game. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like never, never underestimate a good work ethic. I mean, it, that stuff matters. Like people always say, what's that? That phrase is like, talent beats, uh, I mean, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. If you're talented and you work hard, then you have nothing to worry about. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I would say is like talent, I mean, work work ethic matters no matter how talented you are or how, or how little talented you are. Like you have to work. Yeah. And um Especially as everyone matures and the level, the playing field levels out. Because when you're younger, you know you have growth spurts at different times, and some kids are you know six feet, six foot two when they're in eighth grade. But uh, that wasn't me. But like in the end, it all it all comes down to work ethic because everyone's going to mature eventually. Mm-hmm. But if you keep on working, um, you, you give yourself a chance. Do you remember when and how you first met your eventual friends and biz- baseballers and business partners? Yeah. So uh, the first guy I met um, is um, our co-founder is Kalen. Our CLO, and he uh, he was older than me. He's the only he's the only co-founder that's older than me. And so when I tried out for the team, he was there. And mm-hmm. I think it was his junior year when I was a freshman. And um, so I met him, and um, he kind of took me under his wing. And he's one of the big reasons why I stayed at Oregon is because he was like my first like real friend that I made in Oregon. There were, there were people from Hawaii that I hung out with, but I never really got along with them. You know, I'm 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 Asian, obviously, and. Uh, I hung out, so I tried to hang out with the Asian crowd. Never really got along with them, but like Kalen's like the first like real friend I had in Oregon, and so like that's kind of how how it all started. Like joining the club team, meeting Kalen, and then then the other guys. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit more about the other guys. When did you know Jawade and the other in Loomis? When did you meet them? Yeah, so I remember John came out his freshman year, but he was playing rugby. So he did, he came and played, but he chose to play rugby just his freshman year. And then his sophomore year, he came out. And he, I mean, he was, he was, John was a great catcher, man. He had a cannon and, uh, it was a, it was a no brainer to have him on the team. Cause I was helping coach with Kalen at the time. So mm-hmm. we were a self-run thing and Kalen was the, ma- uh, the kind of the manager and I was the coach. And, um, so it was no, no brainer keeping, uh, Loomis. And then the year after that, I think it was my junior year is when Jonathan Joyd came and he was, you know, he had a cannon for an arm. He was a pitcher. Mm-hmm. And so he was another no brainer guy that we, we had to keep on board. And then we just became friends, just, you know, going to battle together every day on the diamond. So, um, that's kind of how it all started for fun out of the four of you, which one of you is stepping up to the plate and driving me in a gay winning RBI who's doing it out of the four of you guys. Oh man. So I was a leadoff hitter. So it had, it, I would, I would give it to Loomis cause he's a contact guy. Mm-hmm. He didn't strike out a lot. Uh, not, not a ton of, ton of power. I remember he hit a home run in, in Salem Kaiser, but uh, that, that might have been the only one he hit. But um, yeah, he, he was a contact guy, always batted over 300. So I would say John Loomis is the guy you want to play. Okay, so I'm putting him up to bat if yeah. I need to win, yeah, drive in the game. Absolutely, get him up there. 
You said this of your time at the University of Oregon. It wasn't until I started playing club ball that I started to feel at home. I realized that it wasn't really about where I was from. It was the game I play. Can you elaborate a little bit more about that? I yeah. think you started talking yeah, about it. Yeah, definitely started talking about it. I mean, coming from Hawaii, um, I wasn't related to, to one person in Oregon. Um, and you, you get to school and you try to find your niche and, and your friends and who you're going to hang out with. And you have a lot of dead time. You know, you're on, you're on your own. And so, um, like I said, I tried hanging out with other people from Hawaii, which was about a dozen people. And um, I just I didn't I didn't really relate to them on anything outside of Hawaii. And uh, like I said, you know, I'm not like a, a big beach guy. I, I came from the city, so I'm a, I was more of a, a different kind of Hawaii person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I tried hanging out with the Asian people. Um, and I don't speak any other language except English. So I'm kind of unique in that way. I'm, you know, I'm full, I'm full Chinese, but I don't speak Chinese. I'm a fourth generation. So my parents don't even speak Chinese. And so I wouldn't really get along with the, with that, with that group because it was basically a lot of Asian people who, who were their first generation where their parents spoke Vietnamese or Korean and Chinese and they had, you know, broken English. And so I, I, you know, I got along with them when I came to like looking alike, but not really, you know, thinking alike and speaking alike. And so I didn't really have a place. And then when I tried out for the club ball team, I made made those friends. Um, it was kind of like, okay, I can talk to these guys. Like I can, I can get along with these guys. These guys are the people that I would hang out with if I was in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of just got the thing. I was like, man, like I'm not really from Hawaii. I'm not from from an Asian culture. I'm from a baseball culture. This is that's who I am, and that's the people I get along with. So baseball is a lot bigger to me than just something I played. It's, it's like, it's who I am as a person. What was, uh, what was club ball like for you when you were playing there at U of O? Man, it was so much fun. It was the best experience of my life. I mean, um, I think the biggest thing about club ball is everyone's there for the right reasons. I mean, I have a lot of friends that play D1 ball and they tell me stories about, you know, this guy's just, he's along for the ride. He wants the party. Doesn't really care about baseball. I mean, obviously not everyone's like that. But um, there are guys out there that they use baseball as a tool to get their education or just to have fun, and they do that, and baseball's not first. But everyone on that baseball team, I mean, we had to pay to play. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a full ride or anything like that. Yes, we got we got free uniforms from Nike and stuff like that, and that was great. But uh, for the most part, we had to pay for our road trips. We had to fundraise for all that kind of stuff. So everyone was there because they wanted to be there. Yeah, and that's the big thing. It's big. And so everyone was there because they loved the game. Yeah. And, um, and that was fun. That's fun. What's the one thing that sticks out to you the most – from playing club ball, what's that one memory that you have that always stick with you? And the one memory I had is when, um, so we joined the NCBA, which is the Na- National Club Baseball Association. It was our first year. I think it was my my sophomore year or junior year when we we first joined them, and um, we were fi- so we went to regionals. We were good enough to go to regionals, and we were the underdogs. And we played a Weber State team who had previously won the national championship, and they were really really good. And we beat them, I think, 10 to 7 in extra innings. Wow. We had a pitcher that threw 170 pitches in a game. Um, it was the biggest upset in the NCBA that year. And so we won that game, and then we ended up beating Western Washington in the regional finals to get to the, the, call, the NCBA World Series, which was in Florida. And that was, that was when I knew we made it. I was, it was just like all the hard work paid off. And the previous, previous, like when I was a freshman, we went 0-17 or 1-18 or something like that. And then by my, after Kalen and I took over, um, by our, that first year we made the NCBA championship, uh, the NCBA World Series, 
we were like 22 and five. So we completely turned the whole thing around. So it was like a journey from going from one and 18 to 22 and five. Oh, so you're yeah. at like one end of the spectrum oh, and yeah. then finishing at it a different It was crazy. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Do you, with University of Oregon now being a D1 school for baseball, if that had been the case when you're going to school there, do you think that you would have even tried out for the team or you'd be kind of where you're at right now? Because, I mean, you like you just said a minute ago, you pay to play and you're there for you're there because you want to be there. Do you think you would have done played ball yeah. or tried to? Um, I probably wouldn't have played for the University of Oregon, but I probably would have played somewhere because by the, by my sophomore year in college, I was, you know, again, my 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 old self back and gaining weight and being strong. And I had, like I said, I had a lot of friends that played D1 ball and other, in other small colleges. And I was, I was doing well. I was doing well in the NCBA. And say, so they were asking me, like, hey, do you want to come play for us? Do you want to come live for that? My coach needs, needs something. I recommended you. Do you want to come play? Because when I'd go home for, for um, summer break in Hawaii, I'd play on their, their college teams, their summer ball teams, and I'd do well there. And so they were like, okay, do you want to come play? And I, I just decided I want to stay at Oregon. I mean, I, I liked where I was. I'm not a big guy that likes a lot of change all the time. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to pick up my stuff and go. I made all these friends, so I stayed there. But to answer your question, I, I probably would not have played at the University of Oregon because I would. I mean, they would have a D1 team. I would have had no chance. Mm-hmm. Like I was five nine, one one forty five when I when I got there. Yeah. So I would have no chance. But maybe my junior and senior year, I probably could have transferred somewhere else. Uh, through my research, I I found that you, you know, everybody was saying you started playing very well. I in club baseball at the University of Oregon and that scout started noticing you and you were consi- you considered playing independent baseball why did you turn the chance at continuing to play baseball at a higher level down so um i went to a, tri- a San Diego Padres tryout um after my senior year but uh previously in my senior year i had shoulder surgery and it was a labrum tear um i rushed it back didn't really rehab it i just rushed it back so i could play my the last half of my senior year and so I was having shoulder problems by the end of my senior year. I went to that tryout. Um, didn't Obviously didn't get picked up by the Padres. But um, one of the scouts there was like, hey, I can get you an indie ball tryout in Kansas City. And so I had that offer to go try out in Kansas City. But um, I talked to my parents, and they're just like, you know, you had a good run. It's time to quit. And uh, looking back, I probably should at least try it out. But um, mm-hmm. my shoulder was messed up, and indie ball doesn't pay great. And so uh, we, I just decided to hang them up. And looking back, I'm, I, maybe I should have given it a shot, but I'm, I'm pretty happy where I am now. Do you think that a lot of people make that decision? Like if they're, they're not go- moving on to play at a higher level, they may look at indie ball the same way as you did with like, hey, man, it doesn't, doesn't really pay much and there's other things in life that I could be doing. Or do you see that as like a – it only pays so much and I'm going to continue on playing baseball no matter what. Yeah. Well, for me, it was also, it was just a tryout, you know? Yeah. It was, it was like a recommended walk on. And so it wasn't a guaranteed spot. And so had they said, all right, here's a contract to play indie ball, I probably would have said, okay, let's play. Okay. But uh, it was just an opportunity and um, I had other things going on. Um, and I'm from Hawaii and <laughs> it was already hard for me moving to Oregon. I don't know what Kansas City would have been like. So um, I, just, I, I stayed put, I stayed put and moved to Portland. Mm-hmm. So I told a friend of the podcast, Chris, that I was coming to interview you, and yep. he, he he said, "Hey, can you ask a can you ask a question?" And I said, "Sure." So his question is, choosing not to play as a pro, why stay in Oregon? Um, one of the big reasons is because it's expensive to live in Hawaii, and I didn't want to live with my parents. I mean, I love my parents to death, but 
uh, living with them when you're 22, 23 years old is another, is another thing. And so, um, I had friends that I, like I said, I made some of my best friends at university of Oregon. Uh, they moved up to, up to, up to Portland after graduating. And so one of them bought a house and they're like, Hey Travis, you want to live with me? And I was like, I'll give it a shot. And so I moved up there and I went and got my master's in teaching, um, in Concordia in Portland. So that's mm-hmm. why I stayed, I stayed there. Um, so I read some other stuff and I don't really want to jump into the baseballism stuff this episode because we're going to pick it up in our next episode. But I want to talk about a, some other stuff. You you said that you went and got your master's in, pub, in teaching yep. afterwards. Um, you also did some uh, student teaching at East West Sylvania, Sylvan Sylvan, College, Sylvan. Elementary, and that you were the assistant baseball coach at Lincoln High for a little while. Yep. Yep. How was that experience like for you? I mean, teaching was great. Um, I, I I was really good at teaching, and I think that's why I was I was a good coach too. And so um, I actually uh, got that high school coaching job because uh, Jonathan Jawade, our COO, um, actually played for uh, the coach I coached with named Rob Herter. Mm-hmm. And so he took over the Lincoln job, and uh, I was like, okay, I'm doing my student teaching. I need I need a side gig on the side while I'm doing this. And I was also working at um, a community center folding laundry. And um, so I was doing that, and I needed another. I needed another job. So um, Jonathan recommended me to Rob Herter, and then I coached. Uh, I coached for Lincoln for I think about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And then um, yeah, that was that was a good learning experience for me. Rob Herter is a great coach, and it kind of it really like a lot of what he taught me is a lot of what I use in social media and stuff like that now. Yeah. You ended up working at E4 Sport Baseball, uh, conditioning. You're the conditioning coach, general manager there. Yep. Uh, you did some physical education instruction at PCC, and you were at Concord. You went to Concordia for your master's in physical education and yep. health. What was that program like for you? For uh, at Concordia? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that was probably the easiest job I had had in, the, in my life. It was so much fun. Um, I was I taught all the elective courses, so I taught weight training, ultimate frisbee, flag football, basketball, boot camps, softball, and so it was basically a professional softball football flag football player for for a couple of years and you know it paid well mm-hmm. and um it was great because i mean at the college level i mean you don't have to deal with parents um if kids if kids get an f they get an f because they didn't yeah. show up and they know it i mean you're not going to call from the parents because their kid didn't show up i mean it's pretty much it's pretty much hands off at that point so that was a really really easy job and a really fun job and i liked doing it mm-hmm. and i loved who i was working for there and so I, while I was doing that job, I was doing baseballs and also. And so when it came time to choose one or the other, it was a really tough decision for me to go from PCC to, to baseballism. Yeah. Well, we've learned a lot about you in this particular episode, and I have three questions remaining for you okay. uh, before we close out this yep. one. First one is, if you could have one superhero power, what would it be? I think I'd like to fly. I think flying would be great. You can see everything. Uh, mm. You can travel fast. So I think flight would definitely be my number one. Excellent. What is one thing on your bucket list of things you still want to do in life? I would love to be a judge on a Food Network show like Iron <laughs> Chef or nice. um, something like that, where I guess get to like like or like uh what's it called? Um, what's the one the Gordon Ra- Gordon Ramsay or whatever it is? Master Chef. Master Chef, yeah, or yeah. something like that. Well, yeah, I'd love I'll- to be a celebrity food taster at one of the on one of those shows oh there you go yeah. what about hell's kitchen would you would you help you know gordon on that show i don't know he's, he's a tough guy to work with man like he's pretty mean so i don't know about that but <laughs> i'm all about the food though last question 
Who's your favorite baseball player of all time? Uh, my favorite baseball baseball player of all time is Mariano Rivera. Really? I just love the way he carries himself. Um, just goes to work every day, real humble. I mean, good family man. Um, he's my favorite player. Yeah. And just recently inducted into the Hall yeah. of Fame. His speech was just it was great. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't a big Yankees fan growing up. I'm the rival Red Sox fan, but I completely respected Mariano. And those are the guys that I like, yeah. Those are the guys I like. The guys that, like, you don't necessarily have to be a fan of them, but if you're a fan of the game, Mm -hmm. then then you like that guy. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Travis, thank you so much for joining us uh, for this particular episode and getting to know you a bit better and hearing your background. And uh, so I appreciate you very much. I appreciate it, Ben. Thanks. All right. Well, we're going to be back next week with another episode with Travis. But this time, we are going to dive into his world in the conic baseballism. So I'm really looking forward to just talking about that and hearing more from him. So thank you, Travis, once again. And that'll do it for this episode. Keep it locked here. Diamonds and Rose podcast giving you great quality content week in, week out. Take care and peace out.